Hello everyone and welcome to The Stage Place, the podcast where we hear chapter creatives from the theatre industry, from writers to directors, producers to designers. And on today's episode, I have the joy of bringing you my interview with Daniel Goldman, the director and translator of Sergio Blanco's brand new play, When You Pass Over My Tomb, which is having its UK premiere at the Arcola Theatre from the 7th of February until the 2nd of March. Now I first got to hear Daniel talking about his work with Sergio through Plays by Post, which was first formed by Cut the Cord over lockdown. It was a 12-week programme where every two weeks you got sent a brand new play, an international play by an international writer. One of these plays was Sergio Blanco's The Rage of Narcissus, and Daniel was also the translator and the director when that play came to the Pleasance Theatre shortly before lockdown in March 2020. So we're already knew a little bit about Daniel's work with Sergio from that Q&A that we did as part of Plays by Post. And now, today, here on the Stage of Place, we are talking about Sergio's brand new play, When You Pass Over My Tomb. So I hope that you enjoyed today's interview with the translator and director of that play, Daniel Goldman. Hello, Daniel, and welcome to the Stage of Place today. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Really happy to have started rehearsals. Yeah, it's a great time to be a great place to be it absolutely is we were just talking about the fact that you have an 11 week old baby in your house at the moment and you are now heading back to work you've just had your first couple of days of rehearsals for yeah. when you pass over my tomb which is coming to the arcola theater daniel you're the translator and the director of this play talk to me a little bit about this play then how did it come into your lap talk to me a little bit about your workmanship with the show so this is my third collaboration with sergio blanco sergio is a uruguayan playwright who lives in paris he is a writer, a director that I discovered in 2014. I mean, I saw Thebesland in his original production at a festival in Colombia in Manizales, which is a big international festival. And I remember sitting in the theatre going, does everyone realise that we're watching the work of a genius? And people did. I mean, he is now, I think, the most performed playwright in Spanish, the living playwright in the Spanish language. His work is translated into 30, 40 different languages. He's got productions happening all over the world, all the time. And it all sort of starts from Thebesland, which is his first autofiction. Sergio had written 10, 15 plays before that. And then in Thebesland, he decides to put himself as the main character in the story. And it becomes his way of telling stories. So When You Pass Over My Tomb is actually the fourth in his sort of autofiction series. The first is Thebesland. The second is The Rage of Narcissus. The third is a play called The Bellow of Dusseldorf, which I've also translated, but haven't managed to get on. It's so dark. If anyone has seen Thebesland and The Rage of Narcissus, The Bellow of Dusseldorf is even darker. And then this play, When You Pass Over My Tomb, is sort of lighter. It's sort of a romantic... It has a lightness to it. It's a romantic story. I mean, I'm going to say a few things that are going to make you question that, but it's romantic. And it refers to the previous three, sort of all through it. It's self-referential. It continues in this vein of autofiction. In terms of how it ended up in my lap, I mean, funnily enough, because I had the Bella of Dusseldorf, I've been trying to promote that one. Then Mehmet, who's the artistic director of the Arcola, saw it at an international festival. I've also seen Sergio's production of it. 
of his own play, Cuando Pase Sobre Mi Tumba. And it's brilliant. And Mehmet saw it and sort of said, we want this one. We want this one for the Arcola. Would you be interested in directing it and translating it? And obviously I said yes. It's a really nice show to come out of three months of a dad to a newborn. But it's back working again with Sergio, who I have a strong affinity for. It feels like when I translate his work, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like we share a voice an interest in meta-theatre, in auto-fiction, in... It just feels easy. I translate lots of other things. And it can be hard. You know, you're trying to find the language, you're trying to find the pitch, you're trying to find the, the tone of a translation. With Sergio's work, I sit down and it's it just flows out. I don't know, but it just feels incredibly easy. And just sit down and write my version. And people, I think I'm writing a literal translation. So in translation, there are often two parts to it. There's the literal translation where you're sort of translating the words as they are. And then there's sort of the more creative translation ad adaptation, which is, you know, a translator being more poetic, finding their own take on it. I feel like I'm doing a literal translation. Everyone comes back and goes, that is what a brilliant set. What a brilliant translation. I think that's just because we're so aligned. We've been doing this, you know, I've been working with Sergio since 2016. I've actually translated a couple of other things of his, which again are waiting to be sort of made. We may be doing an Edinburgh show together with myself performing as Sergio. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm not a performer, but he's written a conference on love, sort of an auto-fictional conference on love called Divine Invention. And he performs it. And he states that at the beginning, he says, this may not be performed by a professional actor. Sure. It has to be performed by a non-actor. Yeah. And he's asked me to do it. So we may do it. We may not. I'm, you know, trying to see if there's a venue in Edinburgh that is interested. That's bonkers in, in of itself. Anyway, back to when you pass over my tomb. Yeah, I mean, Mehmet asking, I did the translation very quickly. I'd read the play. So Sergio always does his, the first productions of his plays. And he usually goes back to Uruguay, works with, you know, a major company, whether it's the National Theatre of Uruguay or a major theatre, stages them in his own very particular way. That production then tours around Latin America and the world for two, three years. And after that, he lets other people do it. Sure. So that's sort of why this timing. So this will be the English language world premiere, yeah. but not the world premiere of the play because it's already had Spanish language iteration. The reason I was at this festival in Colombia is I used to run a Latin American theatre festival called Casa. It's a festival that I set up in London. And every year we would bring four, five, six Latin American companies to present their original work here in London. CASA still exists. It's got a slightly different feel to it now. It's much more interdisciplinary. It's run by a brilliant woman called Cordelia Grierson. And it's much more interested in supporting and developing the work of UK Latin American artists. But when I was running it, it was all about bringing international work over. I'd lived in Argentina for a year on a third year abroad from university. I'd done Spanish and Portuguese and I'd gone to live in Argentina and I was like, wow, this theatre is incredible. And I'd started Casa. When I came home, I started this festival. And so I was in Colombia looking for a place to bring to the UK. And when I saw Thebes Land, I thought, this is the best thing I've seen in my 10 years of running the festival. But it was so big. It was an enormous set. The festival used to bring shows for two or three days and then they'd go back. And that was impossible. 
And so what I said to Sergio was, instead of me bringing you, what if I did a production of your play in English in the UK? And he was delighted. Sergio, in this play, he talks a lot in When You Pass Over My Tomb, he talks a lot about Shakespeare. He talks about his love for the English language, for English culture. This play is set in London. And actually, it's set in London because of Thebesland. When he came to do Thebesland, we had a meeting. It, nothing came of it. The Globe came to see Thebesland, loved it. We had a meeting with the Globe and they said, you know, is there anything London, you know, is the story that you think you could write for London? And Sergio was like, yeah, I'll think about it. And this play came out of that conversation, even though the play that we're now doing is it's not a globe play. But it was born from that, a meeting that we had post Thieves Land in London. So anyway, that was how it started. And I asked him if I could translate it and direct it. And Sergio basically always says yes to anyone. If yeah. anyone wants to do his play anywhere in the world, he basically <laughs> says yes. And sometimes it gets him into trouble because he ends up saying yes to some little company in, you know, uptown New York. Yeah. And then you're like, but what if we would try to get it on, you know, on off-Broadway? He was like, no, the, UK, the US premiere's gone. Sorry. <laughs> but basically he says yes to everyone, which is brilliant for me. And that's how Thebesland happened. And then once... He came to see Thieves Land, absolutely loved what I did with it. And it was very different to his production. The way we talk about it, he and I, is that his productions are quite German in their aesthetic, quite European in their aesthetic. Lots of screens. His work is precise. It's scientific. He's, he's interested in that, whereas all I'm interested in is the heart, is the heart of the play, the love, the sort of the where's the where's the light? He's interested in the dark and I'm interested in the light. And so the productions that I do of his work are very different from his. And he loves them and keeps on saying yes to me doing his work. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk a lot about when you pass over my tomb later on in this episode. But first of all, Daniel, what I want to do is I want to ask about you and your journey into theatre and directing. So for you, Daniel, where did theatre kind of come into your life and you decided that you wanted to become a director? Obviously, you also translate these plays of Sergio. But where does the directing and the translating all, you know, come from? I mean, essentially, it comes from my family. My grandma especially loved theatre. She was a Holocaust survivor. She sort of experienced the worst of humanity. And then when she came, she I, I mean, she grew up in the tiniest little village in the middle of nowhere in Poland. When she came to London after the war, she survived. She came to London and discovered theatre and discovered sort of an art form that was about discussion, that was about ideas, that was about communication and that was trying to make the world a better place through debate. I mean, it was everything for her and she was a huge theatre fan. She'd go all the time from a very young age. She was taking me. My mum, also a big theatre, ballet, opera fan. And so I was going to the theatre every Saturday to see a show at the National or at the Royal Court. Or I'm talking about from at the age of nine. And no aspirations to be a theatre maker or an actor. I was one of those kids who wasn't very good at acting at school and therefore wasn't in the school plays and therefore didn't think I was any good at it. But I'd go to the theatre. I had this period for years 
when I was 14, 15, 16. And all I do was draw triangles between the characters on stage and watch these shifting geometrical shapes. Mm -hmm. So already I was thinking about staging more than I was about anything else. And then I went to uni, I went to Cambridge and there's a big theatre scene. And I said, why not give it a go? And I was rubbish. I kept on playing, you know, dead body three in Shakespeare plays, but it was enough for me to get interested. And then when I had this third year abroad, I went to a drama school, a theatre school in Buenos Aires. I thought that would be a good place to speak Spanish every day. And actually, I realized that 90% of theater and acting is work. Mm -hmm. You put the work in and you get better. And I put the work in and then I came back, finished uni, knew I wanted to work in theater, thought I might work as an actor, realized that I still wanted to train a bit more, went to Lecoq in Paris. And at Lecoq, they were like, you're not an actor. You're something else, but you're not an actor. They didn't say that, but they did say it. And I sort of started directing and writing. And I was like, ah, this is it. And it, it's again, it's like you have an It feels easy when you're doing something that you love, that feels easy, that you keep on learning it. You're, with acting, I kept on hitting this wall with directing and now writing because I've started writing a lot. It just feels easy. And that was 18 years ago. And I've been doing this for 18 years professionally in London, just about earning and surviving. And it's great. Yeah, it is. And so let's talk then back over to when you pass over my tomb. So for people yeah. who are now listening to this podcast, they're thinking about coming to see the show, but don't know anything about the show at the moment. What can you tell me about the show? Tell me a little bit about the plot and the characters that we well, meet about the show. Well, everyone's into necrophilia, right? Of course, of course. That's why um, people listen. That's why people listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the play is about a man, a writer, Sergio, who has decided to end his life. He's done. He's written all the plays he needs to write. He's he, he's decided to end his life. And he's decided to do so. And we should say there are trigger warnings. He de he decides to do so at an assisted suicide centre in Switzerland. Loosely modelled on Dignitas, could be Dignitas. But essentially, that's what he decides, to go to Geneva to end his life. And as he's in that process, he reads an article about a young Irani poet, medievalist, who is also a necrophiliac, who's been sentenced to 10 years in Bethlehem Hospital in London. Bethlehem Hospital is, was the first psychiatric hospital, the first hospital to look after mental illness. That It existed in Shakespeare's time. Shakespeare writes about it, hence the Shakespeare link. And he decides in the same vein as Steve's Land, where he goes to visit a young patricide to write a play about patricide, he decides that his last play will be a play about the taboo of necrophilia. But he also decides that instead of donating his body or his organs to science, what he's going to do is donate his body to this young Irani necrophiliac for pleasure. And that is going to be what he does with his legacy, to give someone else pleasure. So when I say it's a rom-com, there are two relationships in the play. There's a relationship between Sergio and Khaled, who's the young Irani necrophile, and how their relationship develops. They have a relationship of sort of a master and apprentice, student and a teacher. Sergio is, you know, goes in and is sort of teacher, but also all Khaled is waiting for is for Sergio to die, to enjoy yeah. his body. But they're sort of, in, they're beginning to get interested in each other. And on the other side, you've got Sergio going through the Dignitas process and establishing a friendship with a character called Dr. Godwin, who they start off very formally. It's a very formal process that becomes increasingly informal and they become increasingly close yeah. and as the play continues you wonder what is he going to choose is he going to choose to go through 
and give his body to Khaled? Or is he going to find friendship? It's clear that Sergio is a lonely... Is he going to find friendship with Dr. Godwin? Having said all that, it's a Sergio Blanco play. So it's also about Frankenstein. It's also about Shakespeare. It's about medieval weaponry. It's about calligraphy, great white sharks. He sort of threads all these stories through... But the biggest thing he threads is this idea of Sergio is interested in truth and lie. And in his previous plays, he sort of sets up this idea that truth and lies are one and the same. It doesn't really matter in theatre. You tell lies to tell the truth. And if it's true for the character and it's true for the audience, it doesn't matter that it's a lie. Okay. In this play, he goes a little bit further and says that there is no truth. There are no lies. It doesn't matter. The only responsibility you have to your audience is to tell the best story. And so he's sort of pushing that all through the play. He's taking the audience on this sort of mind boggling journey of what is true, what isn't, how much of it is true. And yet, and this is where I'm interested in the play, at the heart of it, there are two love stories going on. But more than that, it's a play about death. And the one thing we all know is that we're going to die. And it's the one thing we're all terrified by. It's the one truth. Nobody lives forever. We all die. And there's something about all the confidence and bravado that Sergio's character may have as he goes towards his chosen death. And he's already died in a play. He died in the rage of Narcissus by dismemberment. And he decides that he wants to go more peacefully this time. But as we go towards that, I think it's as I get older, both as having had a newborn baby, and yeah. you know, you start thinking about death and life and life and death and as my parents are aging I'm also thinking about life and death my dad was very ill a couple of years ago and was very close to dying and so it is the universal subject We're, not all of us are lucky enough to feel love but all of us are, are careening towards death we all have that in common and there is always and I don't know if you've had it Elliot a moment in your life when you start thinking about your death oh yeah and it is a different moment for everyone but once you start thinking about it it's there yeah. And it starts informing decisions and it starts informing choices. And how one of the theories that part the play posits is, can we die better and therefore can we live better? Yeah. And that's a big question and a big interest for me. It is a beautiful play. The play is performed by three ghosts. This is not a spoiler. The three actors have died during the rehearsal process. And yet they're here to tell us a story, the story that they would have performed if the play had happened, yeah. except they all died. It's very funny. It is the opposite of, I wrote a post on Twitter yesterday that this is not a boring adaptation of a film. Yeah. This is original, intellectually provocative, challenging, difficult theatre. And that's what I want to see when I go to the theatre. I don't want Erzat. I don't want easy. I don't want to sort of sit back and be passive. I want to have to listen to every word because every word leads to something else. And that is what Sergio does. He There's a running joke that Dr. Godwin is a Swiss doctor and the play has this Swiss precision, like a Swiss watch. And it really does. And that's the that's sort of the joy of beginning to rehearse it and hopefully share it with an audience. It just sounds like a play like no other. Like when It I was, is like no other. Yeah, when I was reading like Rage a couple of years ago, and I was so glad that we did it over lockdown where we had the group we were just talking before we started recording. I read Rage when I was with Place by Post, which we were doing over lockdown. And then you came on to do a workshop to talk about yourself as a director and as a translator and about the themes of the show and stuff. And I was so glad that I was reading it and then able to talk to other people about reading it because it, it just like completely like makes you feel like 
you're in a small box because you're reading this play, which is also knowing that you're reading the play. Like some of his plays are like, I know that you're reading this bit at this point. It's an experience unlike any other, whether or not you're reading it or watching it. I mean, I never got to see Rage. Audiences are going to come and watch this play and they're going to have incredibly different opinions about it. People are going to think different things have happened in the play. They're going to think different endings have happened. That's the joy of Sergio's work. He doesn't give you an easy, this is what happens and this is the only way to read it. He believes, as I do, that the audience invent the story as they're watching it. They're the ones creating the story. As you watch this play, you're going to be deciding your version of it and making it up. That's one of the great joys of it. And actually, my job is not to take us down one path. It's to keep all the doors open so that an audience goes, okay, this is what I think this play is. And this is what I think this play is about. Someone else is going to be like, no, I don't think you're right. I think it's about this. And someone else is going to go, but that didn't happen. That happened. And someone else can go, no, you misunderstood. That scene took place there. It didn't take place in the clinic. It took place in Bethlehem Cemetery. And that is the joy of it. And you're right. In my view, no one else in this country. And this is one of the reasons why I started a Latin American theatre festival, because I was seeing theatre that British writers are incredible. And I love British theatre, but there are things that we don't do in the same way there are things the Germans do that we don't do. And Sergio does things that no British writer does. That's the joy. Come to the theatre and see something that, that is not, you will not see this anywhere else. I mean, I would love to be doing his plays at the National. And why not? Because... All it would mean is a bigger audience. But you get to come to the Arcola and see something unique that is also brilliant and brilliantly conceived. That's my view anyway. Yeah. And obviously that must be quite fun in the rehearsal process then, because obviously you've just started the rehearsals. Obviously when you've had that first read through and you're asking everybody what they think of the play, everybody must have a different opinion of what they think is going on with the story like how's the rehearsal process going at the moment like it must be a fun room to be in i mean from experience of thebes land and rage what we have to know is what's going on sort of i remember doing thebes land and there were completely contrasting views on where the scene was happening and the actors were playing different locations it didn't matter because actually what they were playing is one level above that to allow the audience to decide or be confused The play is confounding. There is no doubt about it. The three actors yesterday, we finished the play and everyone was like, fuck me, this is going to be hard. You know, it is incredibly challenging. It is a head fuck of a play. And so my job is helping an advantage of having translated it. So I have decided the words and I have thought about it quite deeply about what ideas are being communicated. I don't do a lot of prep as a director. And then someone was like, "Uh, you did translate it. That's, you know, weeks of prep. Shut up. So, yeah, I think, I mean, they they did a brilliant read through on our feet yesterday. It was brilliant. Already little things emerge, discoveries, and you put a play into actors' mouths and they do things. And you're like, ah, the thing I thought this was is not what it is. It's this, etc. But yeah, really looking forward. Got a great cast, Alan and Jerry, Danny Scheinman and Charlie McGeechan. And it's brilliant. And we've got an amazing set. It's going to be, I think we're doing something really special. Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to come and see it at the Arcola Theatre. So we've been talking about When You Pass Over My Tomb, which again is at the Arcola Theatre from the 7th of February until the 2nd of March, 2024. Daniel, I've got two final questions for you on this podcast. My first is about advice that you may have for people who are 
are listening to this episode and want to become a director or maybe they are you know fluent in other languages and want to translate plays themselves what advice would you have for those people who are listening to this podcast so i mean funnily enough yesterday i started a twitter thread blog where i'm going to talk through day by day what i'm doing in my process from day one to opening night so if anybody wants to look at that I'm at daniel k goldman on twitter and i will just be explaining that in terms of the bigger advice i would say it's never been a harder time to do theater i would say that we're in crisis at the moment. There's less money going around. There are fewer audiences. It's a really tough time to be doing theatre. That said, there's a famous saying that if you think you can do anything else, go and do anything else. But if you can't, do theatre. And in terms of directing, find plays you love, find people you love and start by doing it. And there are still avenues, whether it's Vault Festival, which is coming back, which is brilliant, or local theatres, local incentive, local programmes that will support. There is a lot of support for emerging artists. Yeah. And go get it. Go ask for it. If you don't ask for it, you won't get it. But go ask for it. I had a lot of support when I was starting out 18 years ago. The Young Vic has an amazing Genesis Directors programme. There are opportunities for you to develop as a director. But start on things you love with people you love. Right. Sounds obvious but also think what's going to sell because you do want to have a first hit you yeah. do want to sort of do something that people want to see after that do whatever you like the same with translators find something you love the difficulty now is you don't want to be working for free when i started 18 years ago we still had a culture of people did stuff for free and now in lots of ways which are good that is frowned upon and so what you don't have is the training period the apprenticeship period that I had and generations before me had of you did it for free. I mean, there was a lot of privilege in that. You needed to have the privilege to do it. Now everybody is trying to pay and that means less is being done yeah. and there are fewer opportunities. So it is harder, but there is also, there are funding bodies, there are incentives, there are support schemes and go look for them. And then the other thing is go see as much theatre as you can. There are ways that you can not spend a lot of money and go and see a lot of theatre. And the final thing is I generally, have an open rehearsal room so if people want to come in and watch people think about being directors or translators and they want to come and watch a rehearsal process for a day we generally because we have lots of people coming in I open it up for a day per person but if people want to come into the rehearsal room for a day again reach out to me on twitter I'll invite you in and just come and watch a day's work and see what it's like Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I want to do one final question with you, Daniel. It's the title of this podcast. That's the stagey place. And what I love to ask all of my guests is where their stagey place is. So Daniel, for you, this could be someone who's inspired you throughout your career. It could be a place which you have had one of your works performed. It could not even be a place or a person, but it could be somewhere where you just read your plays. It could just be here at home right now. You know, you've got 11 week old baby. You've realised a lot about yourself and about your work. But for you, Daniel Goldman, and whereabouts is your stagey place? I think it's Buenos Aires. It's where I started doing theatre. It's where I sort of saw a theatre that was not just for entertainment, but also socially and politically engaged. And it made me realise that theatre could be. And I was immersed in theatre. I was doing 12 hours a day of theatre training every day, six days a week. And then I was going to the theatre in the evening. That's where I fell in love with theatre and realised that theatre was more than what I thought it was going to see West End shows with my grandma. That yeah. was sort of the next step. And so 
it will always, I think, be Buenos Aires and Latin America in my heart in terms of my stagey place. Amazing. Well, Daniel, once again, thank you so much for coming on to this stagey place today to talk about when you pass over my tomb. Once again, it's on at the Arcola Theatre from the 7th of February until the 2nd of March. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on to the stagey place. Thanks, Elliot. And there we go, that was my interview with Daniel Goldman, the translator and director of Sergio Blanco's brand new play, When You Pass Over My Tomb, which is coming to the Arcola Theatre in London from the 7th of February until the 2nd of March, 2024. I'd love to thank Daniel so much for coming on to the stagey place to talk about the show. We were actually interviewing in the very early stages of rehearsals and as Daniel was saying he was doing a bit of a director's log. So if you do go over to Daniel's profile on X and we'll also have a link in our episode notes you'll be able to see a day-by-day rehearsal log of how the rehearsals were going for when you pass over my tomb. I'm also incredibly excited to be able to go down and see Daniel's work in action. Like I said, I've read a couple of Sergio's plays now, which have been translated into English, but have never seen one of these plays in person. So I'm very excited to head down to the Arcola Theatre to go and watch the show whilst it's on. If you've enjoyed listening to The Stage Plays today and would like to find out more about all the episodes that we release, plus all the theatre that we go and see, why not follow us on social media? We're on Instagram, X and TikTok at The Stagey Place. Join us next week when we'll have Stuart Matthew Price in the Stagey Studio talking about their work at Ingleside House in Sirencester, plus Before After, which is coming to the Southwark Playhouse. So, until then, my name's been Elliot, you've been listening to The Stagey Place. I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye.